Well, welcome to Dragonheart. Lots to talk about this week, as per usual. We've got a fixture change to talk about. We've got the women's game. We've got the, the Spenny Moore game. We've got. We're going to chat about if we need any more signs urgently, and we've also got to plug our fantasy league, which we're going to be talking about even more detail later. So. How's things, Mark? Yeah, not too bad. We're not really going to talk about Aaron Hayden, our new signing, even yeah. though he's a spectacularly good signing, yeah. because it happened so long ago. The only real thing I've got to say is that, well, two things. One is that everyone at the club seems to say he's a top bloke, really nice fella. And secondly, I nearly drove into his car in the club car park, but I didn't. Okay? I didn't. So I want to make that clear. And on the record, I did not drive into his car at all. It was just, you know, a near thing. Well, it, <laughs> a quick one on him really is how devastated all the Carlisle's fans seem oh, yeah. to be in their League Two club. So, for us to sign a player of that quality, probably should be aiming for League One again, yeah. like Paul Mullen. It's um, exciting times at the race course, isn't it? Massively so, massively so. And then as well in, in other branches as well. I mean, I, I've been in the race course quite a bit this week. The amount of work going in, really good work going on inside the club things that we'll see later on yeah. um, and then of course we had the women's match a historic match and yeah. fans as a result back yeah. in the ground it was great yeah it was great and then so but first after that we're going to talk about our fixture change I'm Jake Hyde and this is Dragonheart well unfortunately as probably most of you know by now it was announced a good couple of hours ago from the six o'clock that opening of this dragon heart. The oval game's been cancelled due to COVID, which is a crying shame that the first game isn't at the race course this season, but we move on. Absolutely. I mean, firstly, of course, let's hope they're all fine anyway. Yeah. Um, secondly, yes, to have that sort of build up coming towards it, it felt like a real punch in the guts when it then yeah. appeared we had no match, but it has been. You know, to be fair, we've acted very quickly and we've got Sonny Hull you know, away instead. And I think it's good not to start the season with a blank weekend. It also means that that Yeovil game, when it's rearranged, we can have, we won't have a restricted capacity. So mm. that's that's good for those people who got season tickets in the Rex Rent stand. Um, tough game to start the season with, Mike. Yeah, they were a good side. They were quite a good side last season yeah. as well. They beat, they beat us away from home, didn't they? One nil in the league, four nil in the FA Cup. So yeah, so it's <laughs> it, well, hopefully we're probably. I'm not. I've not looked into them yet. Hopefully there'll be a preview podcast plus yeah. plus show hosted by Mark and myself. So we'll be looking into them more in detail. But yeah, we're both probably going to be very different sides this season, aren't we? Well, absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but their intention certainly, they finish the season well. They'll their intention will be to build on that. So yeah. it's a tough start. But you know. We're a tough start. Nobody wants to play us. Um, maybe now is the time to play us before we've gelled fully. Yeah. But uh, I'm just glad we've got a game. The first weekend of the season, I think, to have all this build-up and then nothing would be a real shame. It knocks back our first home game, but, you know, can't be helped. It, it can't be helped. And, you know, it, we have more, a better chance of... It's only one game without the full capacity then, isn't it? Yes, so that's right. Yeah. It, it, it probably works out reasonably well at the first game's an away game, really. So... Yeah. The other thing, looking at it, to, to my eyes, is that game at Solihull was supposed to be Good Friday. So, hopefully, at the run-in, we're tilting for promotion, and we won't have to do the condensed 
Easter weekend's programme. You know, we won't be trying to squeeze two games into a couple. I haven't got the fixtures to hand. I'm not sure exactly who we had then, but we won't. We really will only have one game then, I guess. So that's good. Hopefully, but you got to remember COVID restrictions and. You know, I think there's going to be a lot of, like last season, a lot of fixture congestion. Yeah. A lot of get times where we won't be playing for a while because of COVID. So we'll see on that regard. But then on, on that point as well, we've managed to rearrange a game rather yeah. than already falling a game behind yeah. before we even started. So yeah, luckily, and um, that that is, that is good news. Mm. So yeah, it's it's going to be a historic season for the men's, just like it has been for the women's. They played their first game in a long time at the racecourse. Hi guys, I'm Dominic Bowes and uh, this is Dragonheart. Well, there was fans at the race course last Sunday for the yeah. first time in, seems to be like a, a decade, but it, it, it was a great occasion, women's first game at the race course for a long, long time. Is it, is it ever? ever? Yeah, it's it's in the yeah. Iteration. yeah. yeah um, so, and they had an excellent performance as well. Yeah, totally. Um, very, very impressive, weren't they? Yeah. Uh, really dominated the game. It's uh, it's interesting when I mean, the history of women's football the race course is, is is genuinely long and fascinating, mm. but it isn't a Wrexham. There wasn't a Wrexham team as such. Um, I'll put a link in the in the description. There's a really good article on women's football on the race course, um, which came out of absolutely nowhere. And we found about six months ago. It's brilliant read. But anyway. Um, but yeah, the, an actual Wrexham AFC team has never played there before, so that was a piece wow. of history in itself. And it was impressive, considering that's a team that they lost to earlier in pre-season. You wouldn't have thought so looking at it, because it was, it was a bit of a hiding, wasn't it, really? Yeah, and it looked quite easy for a lot, a lot of the period of the game. I've got to say, Rosie Hughes, we, the men's have Paul Mullen, the women's have Rosie Hughes. She looks really, really good, doesn't she? She's terrifying, wasn't yeah. she? She's quick. Uh, she liked getting down the right channel, pulling balls back in for other players as well. Um, but you could see it, it was a sort of Gary Bennett situation. She just lived for goals yeah. and she just wanted to get into fantastic positions and pull the trigger. Um, Ollie Williams says in the commentary that she liked one-on-ones and beating yeah. the keeper. And yeah, that last goal she scored where she dumped the keeper on her side, <laughs> walked around her. But oh, it, it's it's... It's great to see strikers who are hungry for goals and banging form. Just, just they're exciting to watch, aren't they? And she just expected everything she had to go in. It was really well, good to watch. Hundred percent. She had, she had some pace on her yeah, as well. Yeah. She, she, she played excellent. And is there anyone else that caught your eye in that game? Quite a few. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, so yeah. I'll have to be a bit. Um, <laughs> and before I say this, I've got to say apologies to anyone I might miss out because I, I thought there were a lot of players that I looked at. I mean, as I started watching it, I started going, right, this player looks very good, this player's standing out, and then he looked at his other players. And as time went on, he started thinking, ooh, seems to be a good level up mm. across the squad. I mean, looking at the young players, and I'm biased because, you know, the, the school that we work in, they are ex-pupils of, yeah. but I'm going to say straight off that Phoebe Rintoul at the back and Kim Dutton in midfield, they're young and they've got quality, and Kim yeah. Dutton is a proper... Sort of foot on the ball, playmaker, really good, accurate passer with the right foot, calm under pressure. I was so, so impressed with the way that she used the ball. When you've got a player who can feed the ball forwards like that and a striker who's hungry for goals, you've got a good combination. Mm. Um, and then Phoebe Rintoul at the back. Well, she actually, in the, in the course of one match, I mean, talk about versatile, played right back, left back, and centre back. 
but she also you could just see that that technical side to her game with both both of those players that she was really comfortable on the ball yeah. coming forward hard tackler playing at, at full back and then at centre back really wanted to come forward and join in with play was confident to pass it out from the back and I just thought yeah that's testimony to the way football men's women's all football has altered at youth level more and more because mm. if your men's game as well don't you more technical young players coming through and that was a that was a real example yeah. of that I thought they both looked extremely good Lauren Reese is a, a proper old-fashioned number 10 not old-fashioned no offense um, <laughs> you know she's proper you know, sort of player who has uh, oh I love it in Spain they talk about the pausa the pause the number 10 he plays the killer ball just creates that look that pause in the game to look around and see him she again was feeding good balls to the strikers and like the look of her sharp at the back was Shah at the back, mm. <laughs> appropriately enough, big and strong and uh, able to play with both feet. I was I really impressed with that. Abby Hughes, the captain. Yeah, Abby Hughes looked really good until she went off. Yeah, real judicious. Yeah. And she's putting off any operation, isn't she, yeah. to play in that game. And and it's uh, a shame she couldn't last the course, but... She had real quality, didn't she, yeah. to be fair. I was really impressed with her. And you really felt that, like I say, she's... she's Sorry to repeat myself, but leading. Yeah. You know, there was a real sense of being at the centre of everything. And then, anyway, you know, I mean, Mackenzie, Pritchard, good technical players as well, who, who could beat players. They were great. Davis would tackle like anything. <laughs> Both Davises, mm. in fact, Amy and Jody. Um, I just thought it was, it was good to watch. It was great. Uh, I really liked the way that they shaped up. I liked the way they moved the ball around. Um, I think in general, anyway, I think often women's football is more interesting in terms of the technicality of it yeah. and there's less scope to be a sort of thumper up in the mixer approach to football you know uh, and that that's that's makes it a much better spectacle players are trying to get the ball down looking to move it this is what i quite like let's be fair you know the, the rexman's women team is very very early stage and it's the mm. football is going to be a lot of, a little bit raw isn't it at yeah, times yeah, yeah, but what yeah. what I really liked about it, and I've got to be quite honest now, it's not because for any particular reason, I've not really sat down and really watched many women's games in my time of watching football, I was very, very impressed, they got the ball down, they passed nicely, yeah. it wasn't just this hoof up, which you see at, say, a, a similar level to a men's game, where they just get the big bloke up front and they just hoof it up, and hopefully you can flick it on, mm. and a bit, bit more route one, it was proper passing football by both sides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely, because it's... There's there's a necessity to, mm. to get the ball down and, and use it, yeah. uh, and that makes it more, I, I think, in a lot of ways, interesting to watch and tactically interesting to watch as well. Yeah, we had yeah. some good pace, Sands and Williams and the flanks yeah. as well, of taking people on, trying to get into dangerous positions. And you can't really blame, uh, judge the goalies that much because they didn't have that much no. to do. Both no. looked solid. Uh, we'll be talking to Cat Jones in a little bit, yeah. and I forgot to mention to her the um, the ball she played out to her right back with the outside of her foot with a bit of proper swaz on it uh, <laughs> I really I really enjoyed that and I forgot to ask her about it and gutted um, <laughs> because it was class but no I, I really enjoyed it it was impressive it's hard to judge of course what level they'll come into because it's a new setup it's a new league I'm sure Norfolk will be in their league won't they for next season I'm, I'm genuinely not sure I, I think yeah, they yeah. will be so but if they are not I'm sorry yeah. I'm sorry I'm wrong We'll need to get someone from the women's team on the podcast, won't we, to, you know, on the managers yeah, or something, yeah. to um, clarify. But I'm pretty sure Norfolk will be in, I, I think I've heard that Norfolk will be in the same league. And if that's the case, 
And if they play like that again, then I'm not worried for seeing the season at all. Uh, the amazing real league, which even though it's kicking off pretty soon, has got no name yet. Wow. So the marketing boys, they're, well, they're announcing it next week, apparently, but the marketing boys haven't sorted around. I'm, I'm going to throw in a suggestion for a name, which is the 80 years too late league. Well, it, it's a shame with, with many women's sports that it's not been put on the same pedestal as the men's game really and I, I think it's just been lazy on you know the big guys from the top it's, it, it starts from the top down it's the top of the, it, the upper echelon of sport is being popular from the top it trickles down and then you know the bottom feeders a bit like you know where we're at now at the moment it get it improves that as well you know I look at the UFC and they put women's fights on the top of the bills mm. they have superstars they really promote them and women's MMA is thriving. Yes, it's a little bit more raw than the men's. It's not as quite. It's, it's a lot more new than what the men's game is. But they're invested in superstars. And I think that's what football should have done years ago. Well, as I say, to cat as well. I mean, women's football in many ways is still a sport in development, yeah. perhaps. And I, 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 I hope, don't want to be misinterpreted in saying that. But for so long, it was so massively underfunded mm. uh, and neglected that it is almost like a new sport. It's got past its initial phase, the sort of early stages of massive mismatches and things like that, mm. and it's now getting to a point where it's starting to develop uh, much more fully, um, whereas I think I'd sort of look at, say, men's football as a fully developed sport. Yeah. You know, things change within it, but it, it has reached a sort of a level uh, a sort of, of organisation mm. that... You know, things could alter, but it'll stay the same sort of quality, if you see what I mean. Yeah. Talking yeah. ourselves in circles here, so but... How do you think we change that in the women's game? How do you think we narrow the gap a little bit? Money. Money and time, I think. I mean, let's be frank, yeah? For all the good intentions that many people have, it's the fact that money started being put into women's football, which has allowed it to develop yeah. like this. And hopefully that then trickles down, and the addition of time means that you know it will go from what i said like a, a developing sport if you will into that finished sport and i'm not trying to be patronizing the same developing but you know you're now getting more and more strong teams who are able to mm. compete with each other that that's going deeper and deeper and deeper and i was flippantly saying the 80 years too late league but, but there is now more competition and more possibilities to, to actually get it going i remember watching well say um, a good 20 years ago this would be watching women's boxing and I used to be quite frightened at s watching some of them because the mismatches were enormous yeah. and it felt a little dangerous because there weren't enough opponents mm. um, now that's not the case um, and, and that's that's something that has to happen with every sport yeah. you know um, I don't watch basketball, I've got to admit, but I used to remember when Channel 4 first started on Monday nights, they would actually have a live final quarter of a British basketball game. And um, it was like watching football. Usually, shot attacks didn't end in a, go in a basket. Yeah. You know, now, surely it's better than that, but yeah. it was very low scoring. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think it's time and that money coming in, because it was BT covering the Women's Premier League, which has kicked its kick-started more in Britain, because Britain was behind other countries. Yeah. I mean, you get clubs like in Spain, for example, the top Spanish teams play in the home stadium and get big crowds for big matches. The Barcelona women's team currently is a phenomenal 
They were beaten in Spain. They won the Champions League, and they're just terrifying. Yeah. Um, but there is a, there is much more of a sense in Spain of taking it seriously. But we still have there's still obstacles to fight, and there's still stupid attitudes to beat in every area. And to give an example of how <laughs> I praise Spain, have you seen the thing about the Real Madrid women's team? No. That although Spain has generally in the media had a much more mature approach to women's football than in Britain historically. Um, when the Spanish league was being set up a couple of years ago, they, <laughs> there was no Real Madrid women's team. They copped a bit of flack for that. People saying, well, you know, we're a multi-sport club. We need to have a team at the top of the Spanish game. And so they bought a team, basically, and turned them into Real Madrid. Um, uh, FC Tacos de Alta, which is High Heel FC. So, you know, not everyone's <laughs> quite on the same page. Mm. That's a bit of a dubious mm. <laughs> name for a team. But, you know, well, they're not called that anymore, I suppose. They're called Real Madrid. Yeah. Well, there's teams in England who are doing really well. I really like Chelsea's manager. I forgot, I keep on forgetting her name. Yeah. She did the punditry. And she's doing an excellent job. Chelsea, City are ploughing a lot of money into the women's game as well, aren't mm, they? Yeah, yeah. So it, it's great to hear that it, it's slowly starting to mm. get bigger. And I'd like to see Wrexham become a player in that, that regard. And what do you think? What else do you think they could do to make it bigger in, in Wrexham? I think at the moment, stick with what we're doing. I mean, I think every bit of publicity and outward-facing image is showing that this is a really well-run setup. We will, we know we've had a lot of good people like Gemma Owen in there from the start, um, and it's building and it's building. The website um, gives the same priority to women's team signings and women's team's news as the men's, which is as it should be. I'd love. I know. I know it's not practical, and I know their home ground is. Colliers for now, but it would be brilliant if they could play on the race course regularly yeah. as their home ground. But it's just things like that. It's just building up and building up. Maybe when there's a gap in the <laughs> the schedule where you can have let's let's have a women's league game at the home ground, mm-hmm. and season ticket holders can get in for free. That'd be brilliant, wouldn't it? You Absolutely. know, and get that real coverage out, and people might think, mm-hmm. you know, what, I quite like this because the, the atmosphere at women's games is a lot less feisty. It's it's mm-hmm. a lot more relaxed and. Yeah, why not? Why not do that sort of thing? I think that would be a great idea. Absolutely. But, but I, I do think as well we are doing it the right way here. Yeah. It's great. I think the new ownership has you know, made a very early statement of intent in that respect by putting that 50k investment mm-hmm. into the team. And it's good that we're Welsh yeah. because we don't have to crawl all the way up to the English Premier League. We're one promotion away from the top level of Welsh football. Yeah. Um, and I like the idea of us having a team, you know, that, let's be honest, success brings people in, that'll get people interested as well, if Wrexham are actually a top level team in some that's I mentioned that to Cat Jones actually, but yeah. bring back the European match, yeah. that was something I meant. You could have the likes of Alex Morgan playing at the race course, yeah, who's yeah. a huge star, so I really like that idea, I really like that idea, and I, I, I wish the women's team all the best in the future, and we will be covering mm. the big games that we can see really I, I hope yeah, in the yeah. future of Dragonheart so more on the women's team now we've got the keeper Kat Jones I'm Riesel Johnson and you're listening to the Dragonheart radio show oh, well Kat thank you so much for joining us you're um, welcome I've got to say I mean, first things first as a Wrexham fan how does it feel to know that you've now done 
something that Pele never did. You won at the race course. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. It's one of them things that we never ever thought would happen. Yeah. I mean, you know, we started with football team three years ago, and and then Sunday we played on the race course. It's just surreal. Mm. And for me, it's a dream come true. It's an absolute dream come true. It's something that I've dreamed of since since I was a child. It's something that my family have dreamed of. And yeah, Sunday was just a unbelievable experience. <laughs> and so, something that will go down in history, hopefully. Well, I mean, it's already historic, isn't it? It's yeah, yeah, yeah. First women's game there. May there be many more. Um, yeah. And also first game for a year and a half with, with fans in there as well. Which makes yeah, a difference, that, doesn't it? You know, I know, I know it'd be great to have a capacity crowd in there for you, but certainly, even though we had to limit the numbers, I think that that yeah. added something, didn't it? I think. To be honest, when we play at Colliers, normally we don't get we we get fans, but not on the level that we had on Sunday. So the dynamic of the game straight away completely changed because you know you've got this whole crowd behind you, they're spurning you on, clapping, cheering, and it's just unreal. Yeah. Unreal. It's something that we, we wish to do again in the very near future, fingers crossed. Well, I was thinking I sadly couldn't get to the game, um, but I, I've watched it. And that save that you made near the end, low down to your left, it made me think it, it, there's not many people in the world who will ever just get spontaneously cheered and applauded for something they do. You know, if you no, just walk no. down the streets, you'll never experience that. It just feels good to feel a big number of people just saying, yeah, well done. Nice work. We were saying um, at training on Monday, we have talked to the girls about the experience on Sunday. I said it was so surreal. Like, as soon as one of the strikers got the, the ball into the final third, the crowd just went mad. They were like, whoa, go on, go on, go on. It was just mental, mental. And it's something that, that you know, everybody should experience as a footballer. And it was just really good to experience that. And, and it must have been weird for you. I'm just I'm putting your your fans hat on that as well. Um, playing in front of the cop with no barriers on it. It must have looked weird. It must have been to come out and you're at that end. And it, you think, well, this, is, this is what I've always seen, but it's not. It's different. It's not It's not there. Yeah. And you don't understand like the, the scale of it until you actually stand on that pitch in front of it. And you look around and you're like, this is... One, it's weird there's no barriers there. Yeah. And two, the size of it, it's, it's just massive. Yeah, yeah. It's just crazy. And then little things as well, like, oh, oh just, I'm going to show my age then. I just realised, well, the first time, oh, no, you know what? I'm not even going to say it. It's that stupid. I'm gonna, Go on. I'm, no, I'm, move, I'm moving on. <laughs> I, I embarrass myself enough in public without doing one when I know beforehand I'm going to embarrass myself. Um, I was going to ask you about you. I mean, do you, if you don't mind me asking, when did you start following Wrexham? Uh, to be honest, I've I followed them for quite a while, um, but more so in recent years. Since playing for the club, I'm more of a supporter because I think, yeah. you know, it's important. It's important to back the men's team. Um, and But my family, uh, hardcore Wrexham fans, they have been since childhood. And so it was kind of pushed on me quite a lot during my child, childhood. And I kind of got a break from football then for a few years, um, during my teenage years. But now, yeah, I, I absolutely love going to the games. I love, you know, following the commentary on Twitter, everything. Absolutely love it. I mean, that's fantastic. And I think shows something important that we're now getting at the club. The sense of we are all, we are all in it together. And to be fair, I think they trusted that as well. But yeah. 
um you know now we've got the sort of the wherewithal the money the the organization yeah. to, to yeah. really put that into effect and you know like you say the fact that the women's teams the men's teams you, you're all part of the same club you're all backing each other as i think an important thing we've got going on now yeah 100 percent. i mean when we first started you know there was kind of a divide between mm. the men's team and the women's team um but that divide has become less in as time's gone on and obviously now um we're pushing we are one club mm. we are going to be on the same level as the men's team you know we've got ryan reynolds tweeting our stuff we've got ryan reynolds putting our players on instagram stories and um, just as he does with the the men's team yeah. and it just feels like we're all part of of the one team and it's, it's amazing it's absolutely amazing crazy isn't it really <laughs> it's just yeah i actually put in our group chat the other day i don't think i'll ever get used to ryan reynolds retweeting <laughs> our stuff and liking our stuff on instagram it's just absolutely surreal oh come on you know he's only coming over to meet you oh i wish <laughs> <laughs> oh i mean so it's it's fantastic to achieve that and like you say that the way the women's team is getting a treated much more on the sort of level it deserves to um i mean yeah. i've got to ask the question how far do you think the women's team can go you know so we know, i mean obviously there's going to be more backing now you know and, and yeah. you know what, what what would be the ambition do you think we want to get to the welsh prem mm. and we want to get there as soon as possible and and it's possible it is possible obviously we've got a new manager now marie um, you know, she came to to the game on Sunday and training on Monday, and you know, she just believes in us. She believes in us 100%. You know, she's got knowledge, she's got skills to guide us. Obviously, we've got um, Stephen Dale as well as the assistant manager. He's full of knowledge, and they just want what everybody wants, which is the end goal, which is to get to the Welsh Prem. And yeah. hopefully, we can do it do it soon. Well, it'd be fantastic to achieve that, wouldn't it? I, I, see, I... it would be amazing, absolutely amazing. I just want to see European nights back at the race course, you see. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a challenge. <laughs> there's a challenge indeed, yeah. yeah. That would be quite something, wouldn't it? Goodness me. The um it, it's it's for me, if I if you forgive me for going on like an old man here. Um <laughs> but I, I, because, you know, I can't I can't go on any other way. That's where I am. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but thanks for agreeing. The, <laughs> the, oh, don't worry, I get it all the time. I'm I'm the most well, apart from one of the players we signed. I'm the most senior player in our team, so I get it all the time. Yeah, that, yeah I think you still got a number of years on me, to be honest. With you. <laughs> um, but I mean, I'm I'm a teacher, and yeah. I'm very pleased, although it's an obscure thing, that myself and one other teacher at the school I was at, um, we started the first ever girls' team in Wrexham into school wow. team, which we were very wow. proud of it was a complete disaster um <laughs> complete disaster uh, well on, on two grounds one because there was no one else so we couldn't play any games, play any games. this oh. was just the two of us saying let's do it it wasn't a you know part of some scheme where other schools joined in so we, we we existed for two years without ever playing and then we, we finally convinced the school to let us go to a tournament in real yeah a we got battered and B, we then found out that one of our players, despite being in fifth year by then, uh, had a sort of rare medical condition that the parents had never told the school. Uh, oh, and we yeah. thought she died and the paramedics thought she died. She hadn't. But 
Oh, my. Kind of killed the team, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> she was fine. She was also a Chester fan, the only Chester supporting people I've ever taught that are openly Chester supporting. Um, so, it, But it's just great for me, being selfish here, saying that was like, that would have been, gosh, late 90s. And, and yeah. then, you know, I mean, really, uh, a girls' team was not, was not about well, was not a thing. Like I said, we had to travel to no. Reading to find a game. Um, yeah, and it, it wasn't taken at all seriously. And I can tell you, on television, women's football was treated as a, a bit of well. Firstly, was never on, but if they did show something, it would be to laugh at players, really. Yeah, um, yeah. Whereas now, well, to take that school, we've got girls' football. Obviously, just going on as a matter of course. Nobody asks the question: Should girls play or not? Uh, no. We've got we've got Gemma Rowan coming in regularly to do sessions as well. Um, yeah. uh, she does great work all around Wrexham, of course. Um, and we've now have a, we've finally got to a point where women's football is being covered on proper <laughs> sort of pop up sports media and yeah. really taken seriously. Where your coaches have got your wafer badges rather than being some schlub like me. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's a wonderful. It, it's great to see. I mean, I, I, I don't understand patronising. Because it's just great to see women's football treated as it always should have been to me. Yeah, like when, when I was growing up, I started playing football from the age of eight and I was in a, a boys' team. Yeah. And I was the only girl that was in a boys' team that, you know, there wasn't any women's teams. But then, really, I just played the Panakai boys' team yeah. in goal with a bunch of boys. Yeah. But um, as, you know, as time's gone on, obviously things are progressing, which they should do. Even going back when we first started again in 2018, mm. there was we did have some derogative comments on you know why should women be playing football and you know get them back on the farmers field playing football. We did have that. However, that is has gone less and less and less. And now the buzz around female football is incredible, absolutely incredible. Like um, you know, you've got female teams in the Olympics, yeah. for instance. Yeah. You know, you've got Euros, you've, you've got all sorts, and it's just nice to see the generation that the, the generation of women playing and girls, women playing football now, are going to get the the support that they deserve. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I can't help thinking. You know, you I mean you've got a lot of very young players in that team. Yeah, we are. Um, I know because I talked to them a couple of years ago, <laughs> you know, um, and. You know, what an exciting time as well for them to, to come into the game, if you like, because yeah. everything is just mushrooming so much, isn't it? And yeah, the it, club as well, is just overall. It just it just makes me proud, really. Yeah. It just makes me proud. Like, I went to my little brother. I was just like, he's only six. Hmm. And he had his first competitive game the other day. And there was a, a girl on the opposite team. And I just felt so proud. Yeah. Like, Wow. Good on you. Good on you getting stuck in, you know, and getting rid of the stigma that, that comes with women's football. Yeah. It's just incredible. Yeah, it's, it's, I feel a bit silly saying this, but it's almost an educational thing. You said about people abu sending abusive messages before, and sadly, there are knuckle draggers out there. And I think, I think I'm being kind in calling them that. Yeah. But it's almost yeah. an education thing that some people won't, ca won't, won't catch up with reality, will always be like that. That's their problem. Yeah. But, That's but their problem, yeah. A lot of people who might start out for whatever reason like that will learn 
and we'll see positive things. And and like you're saying about the women's team, like you're saying about that girl you saw playing in that match. Yeah, it's all part of that process of just well shaking people, waking people up to realizing this yeah. is this is how normality should be. You know. Yeah, and I can quite honestly say that young girl was the best player on their on their team. <laughs> she she really was. Do yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Oh, I can you know, there's so many talented mm. female football players. It's it's just so nice to see. So nice to see, and it's just such an exciting time to, to be involved with, with the football club and going forward. Well, I've got to be honest and say again, in my old days before I got too too heavy and lazy to coach football teams at school. Um, I used to pick uh, Lucy Scott, who was part of the media team and also was in charge at Colliers Park now. I had her yeah. in my boys' team as well. Um, oh, yeah. And I can assure you, she was a level above everyone else. Bless them. They were nice lads, but the others couldn't find the backsides of both hands. They were, uh, <laughs> which is probably why nobody wanted to be goalkeeper, of course. <laughs> but uh, It's not always but, the favourite position, is it? That's true. But I was a goalie as well, so I'm <laughs> Don't you worry. I loved it. Um <laughs> But um, I didn't mind getting taking a kick in the head, and I think that's the most oh, fun no, part I, of goalkeeping. I've had many kicks in the head, in the face, <laughs> and everywhere. I like doesn't bother me. It's the best part of it. Best part, part and parcel, part and parcel of yeah. being a goalkeeper. That and getting muddy. Yeah, yeah. I love that muddy. No question. No question. <laughs> <laughs> the um, so thinking about uh, you know, the, the team going forwards. I mean. I guess I so hopefully we'll be successful as a club in raising the profile, you know, in terms of yep, our yep. media team coverage of the team. Um, yep. what, what sort of, should, should I say, what sort, which players do you reckon we should keep an eye out for? Or is that unfair? Is that, is that putting you on the spot and then you'll get grief? Uh, well, to be honest, there's, there's players like core players that have been there since, yeah. since it started. Um, but there's been some absolutely amazing signings, amazing signings this this season. You know, look at Rosie Hughes, for instance, wax four goals in in the race course. Yeah. You know, we've got we've got goalkeeper now who's going board. Um, I've been the only goalkeeper pretty much since the start, and now we've got Del Morgan who's come aboard, who, who's absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. You've got Lauren Reese. Lauren Reese has scored ten goals so far in preseason. The list is just endless. The list is just endless, and and I know there's like I don't want to pick like key players. I know what that I have. However, everybody in our team brings something yeah. to our team, which is the reason why they're in our team. And you know, from defence midfield to strikers mm-hmm. to goalkeepers, we all bring something different. And as a team, you know, we're we're looking to get the results, the, the positive results, and work as hard as we can and get as far as we can. Yeah. It's Rosie Hughes, nuts. Nuts? Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't say nuts. She, she just loves it. She just loves scoring goals. It's <laughs> that was just my feeling from watching the highlights. And oh, afterwards, she just, so they're she celebrating just, way after the game had finished. Yeah. And thought, She's nuts. She's she, just, she just loves it. Fair she play. just absolutely loves it. <laughs> I, love I mean, I haven't, known, I, haven't known, I haven't known Rosie very long. Yeah. Uh, but she, she just absolutely loves what she does. She, you know? And um, we're about coming onto our team and said, you know, how do you feel? And she said, Brexham's the best best team to be at. She said, and it's yeah. just phenomenal what's going on. But um, she used to play for Denby, yeah. and she we lost against Denby one 0 and she picked the goal past me that that beat us, and I'll never forget that. But yeah. never mind, 
mind, Tom. What's not? What's now, teammates? You'll pay now? for that in training next week, won't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic! Um, I was thinking as well, and you were talking about how the women's game is getting to the the, the recognition it ought to have had all along. Yeah. Um, in a in a strange way, it almost feels like that. It feels like when men's football was developing in popularity. I mean, uh, I keep saying to people this, and I'll, I'll have to keep saying it because I'm, I'm going to be working on it for years. But I'm writing the history of the club, and yeah. you know, you, you speak to players who played back in the fifties or the forties, and they are not full-time footballers. You know, footballers yeah. who work down the mines, do a shift down the mines, come out Saturday morning, clean themselves down, get to the game, and play the match. Now you work. Yeah. You know, yes, yes, full time. Yeah, in so many ways, the women's football sort of on that journey, perhaps. of you have to fit in work with, with the sports as well. I mean, how how difficult is that, or is it just something you just like to do anyway? Well, prior to this season commencing, we ha- had to commit two days a week to football. So you'd have your game on Sunday and training on Monday. Yeah. Um, however, they're looking in this season. Um, it's obviously going to be a lot more serious and it's going to be four sessions a week. So it's going to be a fitness session, an analyst session, training session and uh, a game on a Sunday. But, I mean, it's hard to juggle it when you work full-time. However, if you're committed to that team, you'll do it. Yeah. You'll find the time to do it. Because yeah. it's not, for me, it's not just a hobby. It's like my passion. Mm. It's, it's my stress reliever. It's it's everything. I I just love it, and you know I I am willing to commit to whatever time they need, and obviously time outside of that as well. You know, with social media and interviews, like with yeah. stuff and stuff. And um, yeah, it's it's hard it's hard work to juggle, but it'll be worth it. It'll be worth it in the end. Well, I think that's the exactly the attitude that the club wants and needs going forwards. In yeah. every different aspect of it, so I think I'm pleased to say this is one of those times when it's true and we all say we are one team because there's a lot yes. of different aspects and good work going on at the club, uh, not just in terms of football. And the fact that we all can pull together and support each other means it's a hell of an exciting time to be at the club, isn't it? Especially for fans it really, like it, us. It really <laughs> is. It really is. Um, I, I, like I say... I never ever thought that anything like this would happen to Wrexham Football Club. Yeah. You know, we're a small town in North Wales, and then yeah. Hollywood Hollywood stars buy our club. It's just you couldn't write it. You couldn't write it. It is incredible, isn't it? So, like it's I say, absolutely incredible. You've got more wins at the racecourse than Pele, Maradona, Cruyff <laughs> added together. I mean, okay, maybe maybe they never played there, but. Um, <laughs> It's an achievement. It's an achievement. You've got, got the same number as Kenny Dalgleish. Um, if that's, if that's yeah. if that any consolation. And I think more than Keegan. I'm pretty sure Kevin Keegan played at Wrexham when I was a kid. And we and Wales beat him. So uh, you've, got, you know, <laughs> you've already got a bit of tasty record there. Well done, you. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Can I just say, Kat, an absolute honour and pleasure to chat to you. And uh, we'll have to keep well, in touch. Thank you very much for asking. Oh, it's my yeah. absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. This is Sean Brisley. This is Dragon Heart. Well, the men were in action too last Saturday. Um, interesting tie against Spenny Moore. I think a lot of people are rating they go up from the National League North next season. They, 
it seemed like a good side of thing. I, I personally have not watched the highlights or anything. I've been very busy the last couple of weeks. But, yeah, um, the uh, reaction from it seems a bit drastic, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, obviously, when you're battering everybody and then you draw, people will feel it's a step down. Mm. But that's uh, certainly nothing to get worried about at all. I mean, if we're going to get excited about friendlies, and I'm there saying, oh, don't get excited too much by friendlies. Um, by the same token, I got to say, don't get too worried if a friendly doesn't go our way. But we should have won it. If, if we want to break it down into that, ignore that it's a friendly, we should have won it. And it was careless and unfortunate that we, it turned into a draw. But, you know, if it, if it was a competitive match, I think we'd have been better at closing it out. Yeah. Yeah, but... You know, the, the type of, I think this is our toughest test so far, oh, no, wasn't it? Because yeah. um, I'm say toughest, maybe, maybe most realistic, because yeah. Spanning Moore is going to be the type of team we're going to be playing next season, really, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, I thought it looked decent. Um, and we had to work throughout the game rather than just take control of it. But that's okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. That's fine. And remember, the squad's not completed yet. There, there are definite gaps still. I mean, we played one of the trialists. The, trialist, the orange booted trialist, as I've ended up calling him, um, at centre back. That is not his position, or certainly not his regular position. Uh, he was okay. He did fine. In fact, his, his ability to pass out from the back was led to our second goal, and also led to some of the good football. Mm. But you know that that's not a full strength defence, so we may be able to repel them better. I mean, just look through what happened in the game. It's the Luke Young scores a glorious free kick. I mean, that is a fabulous free kick. Uh, I just love that because it's just... If anyone tries to say, you know, don't bother with scouting, just turn up lads. Just to show them that goal. Luke Young's got a fabulous strike from the dead ball or a rolling ball from distance. They get a free kick about 30 yards out. They decide he's going to cross it and they stick a one-man wall. <laughs> and it says, fuck yeah, well done. You don't know what he can do, do you? And you can just see Luke Young standing there thinking, well, you've only got one man there. I'll just shoot. Fair enough. And just slams it. I mean, it's a great strike. That's that's brilliant, isn't it? But I mean, it's one thing I'm been re- I was really impressed with Wrexham last year was the, the plethora of set piece takers that yeah, we have. Yeah. And those players have stayed at the club, haven't they, uh, for this season, really? So Jordan Davis, Jamie Record, yeah. Cameron Green, and Luke Young, of course. Yeah. Four great free set piece takers who can take very different types of free kicks and corners, so that's another exciting prospect for next season as well. Oh, no doubt. It's just, it is great, that, isn't it? And then it's 1 0 at half time. Yeah, it was a bit even game, really, but yeah, it was a tough away game. Second half, we get below 2 0 um, through Hyde and some very alert play by Green, who follows the ball on into the box and pulls it back behind. Hyde continuing to look like a penalty area between the posts poacher, which is a very useful thing to have, I think, especially when mm. Mullen is, is causing mischief all over the place, having a bloke who's constantly waiting for those scraps and passes to come into the, the finishing zone um, is, is a great thing to have, so that's a good thing as well. Um, then Spennymore came back into it, they scored from, a, a, I've got to say, a beautifully worked throwing routine, it was brilliant, three of them, but right by the corner flag, and it was all one-touch football. So it was superb to set themselves up and put them in the box. But having said that, we were very unlucky. The striker just looked left side of the box, about 10 yards out, very wide. It's not an angle he really fancies to score from that often. And it took a big deflection. Dibble had no chance. 
you know, so at yeah, most, mm. yeah. what's the XG on that shot? Very low, I'd imagine, yeah. and we were a bit unlucky with that. I know, don't be wrong, you know, he took the shot, and, and luck is part of football. Uh, and then the second one, I know Dibble's taking a bit of stick over it. Uh, I, I, don't, I, I mean, I'm not that bothered by it. I mean, he tries to pass it out from the back to his fullback but doesn't get the uh, Cat Jones spaz that I was mentioning earlier and gives it to a spend ball player. They break forwards. He actually makes a very good save one-on-one, -on -one, but they score a rebound. Okay, yeah, that's down to his pass. But if that's how we're going to play, you've got to accept that yeah. that will occasionally happen. And, yeah, so we mustn't panic about it. Well, let's iron out the mistakes now. Well, that's Rather than when yeah. coming into Absolutely. the season, you know. Yeah. It, it's a it's a friendly against Spaniel. There's no point in sleep over it. Exactly. If we, yeah. it, this the whole point of friendly games, a practice game, you, you, you're getting match fitness, aren't you? Yeah. So I'm I'm not too worried. To be fair, it's the same on Saturday when we play Curse Aston. Uh, if we lose two 0 it's not the end of the world. I'd rather than make the mistakes now than against Solihull next week. Yeah, the, the, the measure of a good pre-season is how well you start the season, isn't it? Yeah. Not how well you do in those pre-season games, although it is great to see teams looking fluid like we have been doing. Yeah. But, um, yeah, exactly. Luke Young was excellent. Yeah. Really, really played well. And, well, if you haven't seen the highlights, you've got to have a look at the second half shot he has, which, again, would have, I think it was 2-1 at the time, would have won the match. It was It is fabulous. He's further out than usual. Right. And I, th I don't know, I guess he just, does he, does he spot the keepers off his line or does he just think, he's not that far off his line, or does he just think, oh, you know, this is sitting up for me. But he nails it from an absolute mile out. It's heading, it, it's heading under the bar, about a yard in from the corner, and then looks to curve late into the corner, and the keeper makes the most fabulous full stretch tip over. I mean, it's a wonderful save. Yeah. And um, I saw some people have picked up on social media that, after the Fleetwood game, I interviewed Luke and jokingly said that pre-season goals count towards goal of the season. And people have seen that goal and said, oh, look, he took it seriously. <laughs> Tell you what, if that long-range shot had gone in, we possibly would. Yeah. I would genuinely think, oh, well, it was only a joke, but maybe we'll have to do something here. Because honestly, it is, if that had gone in, that would have been an absolutely phenomenal goal. You've got to see it. I will have to watch it. I, I, see it. I need to get the five ten minutes to watch the highlights. I've been meaning <laughs> yeah. to, but I've just been really busy. Yeah. But yeah, af after watching what you've watched, what what was your final thoughts then? Final few lines. Uh, oh gosh, the other thing I was worried of Brisley got hurt. I didn't like the look of that. Right. Especially as centre back is the area we're thinnest at the moment. I don't know if we'll, we'll address that. Um, I didn't like the look of, of that, though the way he went in at first and then the way he came on, back on, and had to go straight off again and bothered me a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, pre-season's all about how well you start the season and it's not about the results. It was a scrapping away draw against decent sides who were really up for it and we haven't completed our squad. And we should have won it, really. And I, I'd like to think that when the, the stakes are down and we've got all that rustiness out of us, that we probably would win that sort of game. So no, it was, it was sound. It was perfectly sound. A, a, a boxer doesn't knock out all his sparring partners, you know. There's no yeah, point yeah. knocking out all your sparring partners and coming to the actual fight day, yeah. you lose. Yeah. So, you know, we're ironing out our mistakes now and mm -hmm. I'd rather that than... Making that mistake that we see that you said about spending more first game of the season at Solio, exactly. you know, yeah. we know know not on what to do now. 
Oh, actually, I'd also say, just going back to that mistake as well, the little error. Yeah, it is an error, but I can't help thinking, well, look at it in terms of how we're looking to set out to play, and look at it in terms of how we're trying to create chances. Um, we're looking to pass the ball out from the back, that's what we're trying to achieve. We're trying to pass out from the back, draw players forwards to press us, and our players are good enough to pass through that press, and then we can find space in midfield and we can hit them. Um, if we let in one, two, three goals a season, which they'll look awful and the goalkeeper will be crucified and people will go nuts. But if that allows us to play like we want to throughout 46 games of the season, we'll score more than, yeah. than three <laughs> extra goals, if you will, from playing that way. And, and the classic example of this is, goodness me, what, about 10 years ago or something now, the, the classical where uh, Victor Valdez is in goal for Barcelona and he gives the ball away. There's a back pass to him straight from the kickoff. He lets it roll across his goal line, tries to pass it out, gets it all wrong, and just gets the ball to Real Madrid in the penalty area. They score after 20 seconds. And as you can imagine, that's a huge <laughs> <No, laughs> <yeah>, scandal. <laughs> yeah. And straight away, Guardiola's out after the match to say, I, I was very happy that he made that decision. He got the pass wrong, but he made the right decision to try and play that pass because that's how we play football. We pass around teams, we draw them onto us, we pass through them, and if we don't do that, we lose. And I think they didn't win that game, I think. But, you know, he said, no, no, don't, I'll never criticise my goalkeeper for trying to make that pass. And, and I see it the same way, because as I said, the trialist started off our second goal by being under a lot of pressure on the edge of the area, the sort of thing where people are all shouting, kick it out, kick it out! Um, and he kept his head, and he slid the ball through to a player in midfield, bypassed four spending more players who were pressing, and then we got straight up the pitch, attacked with pace and scored. So, you know, mm -hmm. if we're not all right, if we're not going to play out from the back, Dibble doesn't make that mistake, and we don't have that goal in. But by the same token, Trialist never plays that pass, and we never score that our goal either. So it's it's a, it's the style we've chosen to play, um, and I say don't criticise goalies for it if they've been told to do it. Or maybe Pep Gladiol had a spot fixing oh, that bracket. <laughs> so maybe that's why he was happy. That's right, yeah. Yeah, that press conference, if I remember correctly, he was wearing a monocle and a big shiny top hat, burning £20 notes. Oh, brilliant. Anyway, next we're going to speak about do we need any more signings? I'm Jake Hyde, and this is Dragonheart. We certainly do need some signings. We're weak in some areas, but it's just how urgently do we need them, Mark? Yeah, I know. Everyone's getting very het up about the lack of movement, and, and yeah, that, clearly the squad's not finished yet. I, I don't, I don't share the, the sort of urgency in a way. I'd rather we get the right players than rush into just getting any players. Yeah, I agree. I, th I think blast, and I think it's just the nature of football fans, no matter what club. They just want it done right now. They want to get excited. It's we are getting closer to the start of the season, but still we can still sign people after the first game. So I don't really think it's anything much to panic about. But we do need to start seeing movement sooner. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, the the thing, the big thing for me. Oh, that's two issues really. One is that we are looking to buy quality players, and Parkinson, I'm sure said this last week, said when they start, be patient. You know, you have to 
you're asking a player who maybe wants to be playing in a League One to drop down to the National League. Um, they're not going to immediately say yes to that. They need to think about it. And I think he's right to say to patients, we've now seen Mullen make that move, we've now seen Hayden make that move. And surely that makes it more likely that other players like that will think, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, they're, they're bringing some quality players in. Maybe that is a project I'll get behind, but they're not going to make that decision immediately. Yeah. The other thing that makes me not panic about this is the nature of the players we're bringing in or targeting. In the past, because we didn't have that sort of pull, we are looking for unemployed players, aren't we? So, yeah. you know, you look at, you know, players who, and there were some with us, to be fair, but we, we've done people a favour, they're training with us, we're not really looking to sign them, but, you know, the fact is, they haven't got a club, they haven't got a trial, but at least if they get a pre-season in with somebody, they're ready to roll, and, they're you know, they might be able to, you know, sort of step in and find a club when the season well, starts. Chris Sang's a fine example of that, isn't yeah. he? So he's gone in, he's now playing for Barling. Good yeah. luck to him. Exactly right. Exactly. So, yeah. Um, but the thing is, we're not... Normally, we would be shopping in that sort of market. And there's so many players being released in the summer. There's going to be a lot of players who are good players, but they've got no match fitness. And if you bring them in, they've missed out on their pre-season. So, yes, I accept that sort of signing would be a problem. But we're not looking for those anymore. We're poaching players out of League One. Yeah. So they've had their pre-season. They've done a nice League One pre-season. And then we're coming and pinching them. So, OK, they're not used to our team and our setup yet. But they're good players, so they should fit in. Mm. And they are they are fit. Yeah. They're not players who then will need to go through pre-season with us before being really fully up to speed. You know, I mean, it's, it's, like you said, I mean, it didn't... Um, Sang and Golda Mateo yeah. and Keanu Marsh-Brown do well for us last year because essentially they were in that situation of really being out of match fitness. Yeah. And Dior Angus was to a great extent yeah. as well. And they did very well considering that. But now, we're, if, we, if we're buying players from football league clubs, I could not laugh when I said that sentence, then, um, then we are buying them fit. Yeah. They are ready. We're not buying surplus players. We're buying players who other clubs have got ready to play. So I'm not, that doesn't worry me so much, really. Yeah, and negotiations are going to be a lot more stringent, aren't they, with the mm. League One players, because they'll have more high-flying agents, yeah. a lot more. And you've also got to convince them to come down, exactly. and you've got to pay the money, and maybe Rex don't want to pay that sort of money, and there's a lot of it, it, It's not just, you know, the higher up you go in the Football League when you're dealing with Football League and the Premier League football in general... The higher up you go, the negotiations become a lot more tricky, don't they? You look at the Jack Grealish, for example. Mm. Um, that wasn't done overnight, was it? <laughs> that was done over months process, probably prior to the Euros. The Harry Kane situation, it's going on now, isn't it? Mm. The talks are going on now. So the higher up, the higher of calibre of football we deal with, it's not just going to be as streamlined as maybe signing unemployed play players. Exactly, and, and also it's important that our negotiating stance allows us to send a message, yeah. I would say, because everyone knows we've got pulling power and money now at our level, and, and good money for lower levels of the Football League, everyone knows that. Everyone will be expecting to bring, you know, to, to push their prices up a bit or push the wage demand up a little bit if they think that we, they, can, they can manage it against us. So we have to take a tough negotiating stance to send a message out to clubs that well, when you actually contact us and you, we're not stupid. We're not going to throw you know sort of extra sums of money, mm. throw good money after bad. We are going to strike proper deals. Mm. It's not just we're rich. We'll just blow you out of the water because we don't want to be run like that. And it's very clear that's what the owners want. 
as we said last week, the club to be able to be self-sufficient, not yeah. to be throwing money all over the place, and then when they leave, it goes back. The club is looking self-sufficient. You look yeah. at the you look at the season ticket sales, yeah. you know, and that's that's <laughs> a massive attendance for National League just season ticket fans, yeah. season ticket yeah. holders alone. Sponsor so, yeah. deals. Sponsor the sponsorship deals, yeah. yeah. So yeah, we're a lot different. I think the other, you know, sugar daddy clubs, yeah. shall we say. So and that's great for us because whatever division we're in next year, we'll be under some form of financial fair play. Yeah. And it's not clear what form, whether it's football league or national league, neither have really managed to finalise it, but there'll be something like that. So the more money we're able to bring in, the better. Yeah. But I was, I was trying to do a rough calculation the other day, and I, I think if you take into account season ticket sales, sponsorship monies, you're probably talking about a figure which is around four times what last Keith's budget was last season. So and that, that all that money doesn't go into the budget. I'm not, not being stupid, but you know, in terms of however they decide to, to to work financial fair play in whatever division we're in, the more money coming in for us, the better. Yeah, yeah. So so it's exciting times, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think Wrexham fans, the Dragon Heart message is keep cool <laughs> and keep calm because you know. We've got people who know what they're doing in charge of the club, and yeah, I, th- I think we will make the signings in the areas where we need to. Well, yeah, it's exciting times in the future, and it's also exciting times because the Premier League season is kicking off this weekend. Is it? <laughs> yeah. You sure yeah. Are you excited about the Premier League? Yeah. Another three years before we were excited about the Premier League. This, as a Wrexham fan, excited about the Premier League. But, if you're a Dragon Heart guy, we have a fancy league. The guy is right. I'm Liam McLendon and this is Dragon Heart. Well, yes. We have a Dragon Heart fantasy Premier League. Boy, on the official fancy Premier League app, we're not doing any of the dodgy gambling stuff. So it's free to enter. Um, Mark's going to post a code in the description. I certainly have, yeah. Uh, it's already out there on social media. It's already out there. We have 14... At the moment, we have 50 teams in it. 50 teams. Whoa. Which is a lot more successful than the Euros one. <laughs> and the Euros one, I didn't even join, so I can't blame you. Uh, <laughs> Hang on. It was a very successful, the Euros one, because I won it. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's it, all I meant to success by. <laughs> well, it's not going to be that way this time. I, I've read a few articles. I, oh. I, I, I've looked online who to get, and I, I've found some cheap diamonds that I think will be worth a lot more later on in the season, so it's exciting times. Cheap diamonds generally aren't diamonds. They're cheap diamonds in the fancy world, <laughs> but yeah. You've been buying sequins, you fool. Ivan Tony's scoring 28 goals this season and he's worth 4.5 million on Fantasy League. But, hello, everyone join. This is going to be out at 6 o'clock. Arsenal and Brentford kick off at 8 o'clock. So by the time this is announced, you've got two hours. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Hurry, yeah, to listen. And this podcast probably got an hour long, so you've probably got an hour. Yeah, listen, listen to <laughs> it first. <Quick. laughs> listen to it very quickly. Go back in time um, to your, the person who was listening at the start of this. Arsenal, Brentford. Big game, I'm looking forward to that, Mark. Well, yeah, because apparently you're going to have a striker scoring five goals, isn't it? Yeah, Ivan Tony's going to score seven goals a game, hopefully, <laughs> and that makes make sure that 
I, I win the fantasy league. Mm, yeah. Anyway. Well, I've got to say, I mean, firstly, I know, I know I've given him credit for this before, but I, I feel you remiss if I didn't again. Tim Lewis, well done. It was your idea to get the European mm. one started. It was your idea to get this one started. And uh, goodness me, how right you were. Um, if you enjoy online fun, have a look at all the aggressive messages being sending on social media <laughs> towards me. Uh, and indeed, the name of his team in the Fantasy League, which is essentially uh, just, just aimed at like me, um, which is fair enough because he, he appreciates that I will win this thing. And, you know, he's scared. And I understand that. It's fair enough. Well, but you guys need to you know, put your money where your mouth is, even though, as Chase said, it's free. And, and try and beat me because you won't. Because I'm just. I'm just a fantasy league god. However, we do have an announcement that mm. if you win this fantasy league, you will be winning a gift of some sort. We haven't tried, we haven't quite worked that out yet. It'd be a bit of a cop out if one of us two won it and we'd be lording it out throughout the episode. But yes, it's, it's going to be exciting. I'm looking forward to it. And it's going to be a nice trial run for in four years' time when Wrexham's in the fantasy league and we can pick Paul Mullen in our squad. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah, we definitely get a prize. The reason we're, we're not saying what the prize is, is not that we're being coy. It's because <laughs> Che had the idea for a prize, literally as we started recording this. And in the space of 10 seconds, we had two excellent ideas. So we reckon if we actually spend a bit of time thinking about this, we could come up with more good ideas. Exactly. And looking at our budget, it's probably three things from Poundland. So, do we double our budget? <laughs> well, I'm willing to invest a little bit into this. So, I was, I, I have to admit, I was thinking of entering the second team. I used to do this I, um, uh, under the old rules, where it was just if you're a defender or a goalie, you, let in, you just lose a point if you let a goal in. Yeah. Um, I was going to try and finish bottom by picking players that would cost them points. And I was going to enter a team that I thought would finish bottom and call them Chester. Um, however, I could actually. Yeah, still should, but it's, it's more difficult to lose points now, isn't it? Yeah. Because you're like, I, I, uh, I'll give you a fantasy league chat very briefly. I put Tim Krul in goal, goal, even though Norwich are playing Liverpool. Because my calculations are you'll get two points for playing the whole game. Yeah. Um, you get a point for every three saves that you make. And so I'm thinking, well, okay, so if you, if Liverpool win, say Liverpool put three goals past him, and they have ten shots, and he saves seven, then he's got two points for playing, he's got another two points for the saves, and he'll lose two points, oh, sorry, three points, he'll still gain, what's going to happen is Liverpool are going to score six goals and Tim Krul's going to get injured in the 89th minute and get sub. <laughs> what's going to happen is, is that Norwich will probably win 1-0 mm. and Krul will get all sorts of points for being man of the match. That's my prediction. Well, I've also been Mo Salah captain, so I feel like I've hedged my bets on this one. And my prediction today is Brentford will beat Arsenal 2-1. Ooh. Is that a Brentford? I think it's at the Emirates, but that doesn't really make a difference anyway. It's a library anyway, isn't it? Well, I think I think having heard that prediction, we now know that Che won't win the Fantasy League. So <laughs> you see, you don't have to. You won't finish bottom, and the person who finishes bottom will have to sing Ness and Dorma naked on the roof of Teapow. Well, What's your singing voice like, Che? Terrible. Even better. Anyway, 
action back at the race course. The season ticket holders on Saturday, Wrexham because Nash and the Robbie Evans derby. <laughs> um, looking forward to that, Mark. Massively. It'd be nice to actually be in the ground with fans around as well. You know, we've been lucky enough to be in the ground last season, weren't we? But yeah. it's a different with fans. Yeah. Isn't it? It'd be my first game covering Wrexham with fans in. No, second game. With a packed out stadium, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's going to be really exciting. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, for hopefully Chester and their players, they've had a COVID outbreak, and they mm-hmm. so we wish best best to them. That's yeah. why yeah. we've got the games. They were meant to be playing Curzon Afton, so yeah. we wish best to them and their team um, in their recovery of COVID. Because I know their manager had it quite badly, didn't yeah, he? Yeah. So yeah, wish them all the best in recovery. Absolutely. Um, and so we heard Cat Jones talking about how the crowd in the women's game lifted everybody. Well, we get a, we're going to have a nice crowd in yeah. <laughs> for this one. So that would really be a, a, a very positive occasion. Even though it's just a friendly, it'll be great to get back going again as normal. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I hope everyone's enjoyed the show. Please follow us on Twitter. Please follow us on Insta- no, no, Instagram. Please follow us on yes, YouTube. Oh, we got Instagram. Yeah, 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 we've got Instagram. We've got Twitter. TikTok have we got? Um, Yes, but there's only one thing on it. But yeah, I can. I'll, can I'll, I'll, I'll build. We can, I'll build. Both, we can both build. We've yeah. got um, obviously follow Wrexham on YouTube and follow Wrexham yeah. on TikTok. Follow Wrexham on Instagram. Followers all get plugged in. Yeah, I don't know what to say after that. <laughs> we love you guys. Yeah, give us nice reviews. Yeah, or give us bad reviews. The more reviews, the more exposure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so brilliant. Yeah, that's true. But nice. enjoy us until next week. Adios, muchachos. Thank you.